Jazz Experience, Season 2. Let's go! Thanks for joining us for Season 2. Join the conversation with Nat, Dez, and friends as they share how to transform culture through family. Hey guys, welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Gonzalez. And I'm your other co-host, Desiree Gonzalez. On today's episode, it is a family affair as I have my own very blood brothers on this episode, Jeremy and Jordan Gonzalez. What's up, y'all? So excited to have you in the studio. We're excited to be here. Hey, what's up, people? <laughs> hey, you know, both of them have uh, been in ministry and uh, still are. I know uh, Jordan was on the previous episode in season one and Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, Jordan uh, has traveled with uh, Sean Smith, who is an evangelist, worked uh, with his ministry. And then Jeremy is a revival pastor in Redding, California. And so it's so exciting to have you on the episode today. So we've been having this conversation. Part of this uh, journey and process that we're currently in is how do we as families walk together through difficult times? And, you know, it's so interesting right now because we're currently in a quarantine and what's happening is there's not only social distance, there's disconnection. And uh, many times what happens during these times is things that have been deep wounds, things that have been hidden are starting to come to the surface. Mm-hmm. And we're here. I mean, I mean, Des, I mean, we, we've been just been hearing stories of People dealing with suicidal thoughts. I mean, the statistics of of, of parents, uh, you know, spousal abuse, child abuse right now because parents are at home with their kids. They've never had this much alone time with them and and just, you know, things coming to the surface and just a really difficult time. But how do families walk together during difficult times? And, you know, this really hits home for us because uh, our current family, we're going through a difficult time right now. That we've had to walk mm-hmm. through, and it's it's uh, it's been very difficult. Something we've never been through before as a family, and uh, I don't know, Jeremy, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I don't think I want to go into deep details right now, but I will share that this last last six months have been the worst six months of my life, and it has affected everything. It has affected my kids. I have, I have three young ones at home, and. Uh, it's hard to get up sometimes. It's hard to look in the mirror sometimes. It's hard to have hope for tomorrow sometimes. It's, I've never been in a season where I've had more uncertainty than I have had certainty. You know, even things that you think will always be there or always be a guarantee just haven't really been there. And, and, and yeah. it's just learning how to navigate this yeah. season and, and, and mm-hmm. trust in the Lord and not grow bitter, but better mm-hmm. and, and overcome and, and not shrink back and, and then also be open and walk with people and not pretend everything is good because uh, I'm at this day, I'm probably 50-50 on good days and bad days. So, I think that's what's real about it mm-hmm. is we're all in ministry yep. and we've grown up in the church. And I think this is one of the reasons why we want to have this conversation is that many times you don't see this from a pulpit standpoint of admitting, you know, it's I think sometimes in our tribe, um, which is good. We, we believe it's a core value, the goodness of God. No doubt. That's a core foundation. But what happens when, when things aren't good, even though God is still good, but situations aren't good, it's almost like we feel like we have to put a facade on mm-hmm. to protect the goodness of God, to protect things. And we don't have these real conversations. So people are going through these opportunities, going through these difficulties and feel like they have to almost perform, like they can't really be real. And so in not being real, like the necessary uh, help, 
or assistance that could come along to, to help bring some breakthrough or even some encouragement isn't there because it isolates us. And I think this is one of the things that we, we, we want to talk about is just like, man, like we need to have real conversations. We need to be able to not, uh, you know, hide uh, with our, you know, fake smiles and our facades and just everything that I think many times that we're used to. Yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, hard situations, they, they reveal things, right? They yep. reveal mm-hmm. kind of the roots, the foundation, your core beliefs, they reveal yeah. all those things. And so it's been, um, like we, like you said, we've all kind of grown up in the church, at least from teenage years, yeah. you guys did. And, um, our model, <laughs> our models probably weren't the best in this. And I think I just remember certain circumstances would arise in different ministers, families, and it was some of the most awkward times for them because they, it caused them to realize how disconnected they were and it caused them to realize the cracks in their foundation as a family unit and, and, you know, whether they're pastors or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it really not only affects their family, but it debilitates, I feel, the people that they're leading when they when they do try to cover yeah. up or or have that facade or try to play like everything's fine, you know, we're doing an injustice to yeah. the people we're leading, I feel like, when we do that. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's been, it's been um, part of the journey is yeah. realizing that how important it is, wow, just to be there for each yeah. other and like what that looks like in times like this. Woe to those who have no one during difficult times. I mean, that's... That's just, it's, it's so sad. But, you know, I think, I think the other aspect of this, uh, babe and, and, uh, Jeremy and, and my babe, you know, I think the interesting part is that we've been so used to performance in church that there's, we lose the authentic and realness when situations happen like this. And it's like, you know, I think even right now, it's like we reread Psalms and we see David bear his heart and get so real and raw. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't understand that even the original scripture, David was cussing. I mean, we, we don't talk about that. Whoa. And, and, it, and yeah, well, I'm just saying <laughs> we don't talk about it. it really is in the original writings of him bearing his soul. Mm-hmm. And we don't give people permission during those times to actually, you know, the real pain that they're going through to be able to let them, you know, process through that just really real to know that the outcome, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to face the rawness in order to get the breakthrough, but we don't let people have the rawness. So they never get the fullness of the breakthrough because we want to like put them in that box performance, the whole religion thing. Oh, you can't say, you know, it's like, no, that's, that's not it. You know, embracing the rawness. And we've, We've done that. We've been able to engage that, I think, as a family. So uh, I don't know. What, what, what are some thoughts on this? Just some of the things that you guys... I know for me, let me just... Before you guys jump on, uh, I'm the oldest in the family. Mm-hmm. And so being the oldest brother, you know, I do feel a responsibility whenever, you know, one of my brothers is going through something to make sure that I reach out and uh, make sure I can do everything that I can do as an older brother, not just, you know, in ministry world, it's always easy to help families that aren't yours. That's true. Yeah. You know, we're, we're trained that way. Bible calls, they train you that way. But what we're not trained to do is how do you bring that into your own family? 
couple thoughts is I think sometimes, at least in the circles we've grown up in, when I, I see families of ministers in different uh, areas of ministry, uh, they typically put on a facade that it's like the Brady Bunch or that it's like the Jeffersons, when in reality, it's probably somewhere closer to Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> it, there's a lot more dysfunction. There's a lot more things going on. Uh, but yet they paint the picture as if everything's okay. And I and I I struggle with seeing that at times because it, it doesn't feel like real life to me. And at times when I see that, it almost devalues their voice in my life. And it feels like I can't really receive from them because they don't wow. understand me. Mm-hmm. Like we're not on the same level. They they come off as being on a higher level or on a different level than maybe where I'm currently at in our family. And the second thing I think of is how kind of playing devil's advocate, so to speak, um, for those ministers who have maybe kept things more private and hidden. Um, I understand there is like a level of privacy you want at times, especially when you're on a major platform. But how, I guess my question, I don't know if, if one of yeah. us could answer is, how do we um, maintain the privacy that's needed, but yet still be vulnerable enough to minister to those that may find themselves in a similar position? That's a good question. I mean, I mean I, I've always thought like, there's levels of vulnerability. Yeah. Like you have to reveal yourself at certain levels because some people aren't, like if you get too vulnerable, it actually can push them away because they're not Absolutely. ready for that because they're immature. So, so I, I think vulnerability... Uh, deeper levels of vulnerability, baby, require deeper levels of maturity. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think we would all yeah. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think we've done the opposite, like you said, in ministry. And I, I, I'm with you because we grew up with those models, and and this isn't a diss because a lot of these models we grew up. There's some good things we learned from them, but one of the things that we didn't learn is how to do family and ministry, and, and not have a facade, not have you know, not being able to be real and actually go through this together and not try to put on this fake, everything is good. We are the Brady Bunch, you know? You know, I think my perspective on that question is as far as like a ministers who want to kind of keep the privacy and protect themselves, if you will, it actually usually, in my opinion, backfires because the thing is people discern stuff, they feel stuff, people aren't stupid, but what usually happens is people start speculating. Yeah. And they they come up with their own conclusion that's usually way far off from what really is happening. So I guess our I mean the way we've kind of always done it has been let's just be as authentic and vulnerable as possible again yeah. within maturity of who your listeners are because yeah. there is wisdom yeah. in that. Um so that we can literally take the bullets out of the enemy's gun. Yeah. Like it, there, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's setting totally. themselves up almost for more gossip, more slander, more speculation, more yeah. people trying to hate and like trying to come up with their own conclusions. If you just lay it out, like, listen, this is what it is. This yeah. is what's happening now. You know, now, you know, mm-hmm. um, then people can think what they want regardless, but I don't know. That's just my, it's just cents. so interesting how we have it so backwards. Like we, re- we think that, People can't have crap and go through crap as a believer. Where the heck did that come where, from? Where <laughs> I mean, seriously, when when you look at the gospels, Jesus said, I didn't come for those who, who are healthy. I came for those who are sick. And you can interpret that a lot of ways, but one of the ways is is there not times, even though we're healthy, that times we get sick and we need to be able to get healthy again? 
And it's like we we expect that, well, you once you're healthy, you can't get sick no more. And that's in the natural. Like, I, I feel good today, but, you know, what if you get a common cold? What do you get? Like, you get things and you go through situations where you can get sick again. You need to be whole again. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't give people permission for that. It's like you have to be whole all the time. Yeah. And it's just like, man, it's crazy. You know, the Bible also says that it's in your weakness he is made strong. Yeah. I, I wonder if we're too busy hiding our weaknesses, if that's why he's not being made strong through our lives. <laughs> Dang. Truth sick, truth sick. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Jeremy, you said something good earlier. We were conversating, and you were kind of talking in this context about sometimes the posture we take as as leaders in church, why, you know, some of these things happen. You want to kind of share a little bit uh, into that? I think when you're going through a, a tough season, you don't want to feel like you're being being helped through, a, through a, out of a textbook. Like somebody is going through the seven steps to kind of help you get through life Mm -hmm. or get through this hard time. And I think sometimes we've been taught how to walk people through through pain and suffering, but it's more from uh, arm's length. And when it's it's messy, when it's family, when it's not, there's no easy answers. I, I think you take a different approach and I think it looks less like let me tell you this Bible verse. Let me tell you this story in my life. But wow. it's more of a, I want to walk with you. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on. Um, you know, I think part of part of my journey, I think even the, the little healing that I'm starting to get is because, not because everybody has the right answers for me, but it's they're walking with me. Mm. I was thinking about the role of the Holy Spirit the other day, and Jesus doesn't say that he, one day he'll remind you of all the answers. Mm. It says that he'll teach you and he'll comfort you. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think if we're Holy Spirit people, then I think that's the way we should look at walking with people through life is not giving them answers, but and not necessarily even teaching them, but being taught in the process yourself, so and uh, just being that comfort is is really it. I think from the little bit of even personal counseling, and I, I want to recommend anyone um, if you if you're navigating something with somebody. Um, don't fight out of your weight class. If there is someone who is really going through something, I would encourage them to go see a counselor, see, see a professional. Uh, I'm currently okay. seeing one myself. I have an appointment for my kids this coming week, and, and they're 11 and 12. And, and, you know, you can say what you want, but uh, I need help in the season to be yeah. the best parent Come I can on. be. Absolutely. And I need to know what my limits are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I just heard you say, and I think it's kind of the danger of the organization and empire that we've built in Western church is that leaders have become heroes, not guides. And because we've taken on a hero's complex that many times we're always saving people. Part of that, we always have to fix problems and give answers. Mm. And it's been a, a hero complex. If you think about it, a lot of even the language that's out there right now, describing what type of teams you want to do prophetically, it's like Avengers, <laughs> Justice League. Once again, it's superheroes. Mm-hmm. And we always want to be the superhero, but nobody wants it to be the guide. And sometimes being the guide means not having all the answers. It means just listening. It means coming alongside somebody like the Holy Spirit. Because when I when I heard you say that about the Holy Spirit, he's a guide. And we want to be heroes. We want to fix everything. And sometimes that's not what's needed. And uh, I think that's just, it's it's awakening, even right now in this quarantine. I mean, I think that's what's even happening in, in church structure and leadership is that 
you know, um, we're so used to a hero complex. What happens when you're not needed? Mm. When you're actually so used to fixing problems and then you're stuck in a performance and that's been your whole identity. Now you don't know who you are. But when you're a guide, you know who you are and you come alongside and you help aid, you ask questions, you don't give answers. You help others find the answers or maybe it's just being there for somebody. It's not even asking questions. Maybe it's just just simply loving, something, doing something practical. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. Yeah, I think in our quest to be supernatural that we forget to be incarnational. Bro. Um, I think, bro, you're gonna make me. Man. I'm all. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm a part of a, a movement in the church that goes after that. That's that's in our blood. That's in our very existence to believe that the impossible can happen. Yeah. But there's also the tension of everyday life. Um, I was reading through the book of Acts and then reading through the epistles. When you read through the book of Acts, it plays like an action movie. When you read through the epistles, it doesn't seem as fast paced. Mm-hmm. And I think sometime in ministry that we want the fast pace. We want the miracles every day. We want the signs and wonders. We want the healings every day. But, you know, Paul told the church in Thessalonica in chapter 2, verse 8, that we didn't come to just preach, to share the gospel with you, but to, but to share our very lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's how people are going to get healed. That's how I feel like I'm being healed. It's not, it's not because someone preached the gospel, and, and don't yeah. get me wrong, um, but I think it's when people become the gospel yeah. for other people. And, and I think that is the answer. And I think that's how you close the distance, um, especially with family members and friends um, in seasons like this is to really yeah. just get close yeah, and to remind them they're not alone. Yeah. You know, it reminds me when you were the, um, when you were actually the head of our school ministry and, and we would have to sit down with students because we'd have to walk with them because they would go on a mission trip and then come home and think that's that's normal life. You know, when you're on a mission trip, you're seeing miracles, you're seeing all these things, and they don't know mm-hmm. how to get back into just everyday life. So they get addicted to that life. It's culture shock. And when yes. they, you know, and then they, they bring that expectation and put it on everyone else. Yep. <laughs> and we're like, listen, guys, they don't have a grid. They they weren't no. on the trip. They didn't go. They don't no. have the revelation that you just got going on this trip. And but the thing is, if you go move to a nation and you're not just there for two weeks, that fantasy, yeah. you know, honeymoon phase wears off. It does. You know? Because now you actually have to live with the culture. Yeah. And you have to get in people's lives. Yep. Yep. And I think, you know, I think part of it, what I'm hearing to say too, is we've lost sight of the pastor in the fivefold ministry. Mm, that's it's good. like we've we've so highlighted, mm-hmm. it, you know, we both come from, we all come from tribes that believe in the fivefold. We we came from original tribes that only believed in the threefold, uh, pastor, evangelist, teacher, but now, you know, the fivefold uh, apostle. Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Just read your Bible. Ephesians, you Ephesians you chapter you five. <laughs> but, uh, you know, part Four, of it <laughs> is that, you know, the apostle, and we, I don't even think we still even know fully what an apostle is. I mean, seriously. Like, but the apostle, the prophet, it's become like sexy terms, and in, in put it that way. Oh. And like, and like you know, pastors have like, kind of like lost that groove. But if there's ever time we needed pastors, it's right now during this moment, during this quarantine. It's like to get into people's lives and walk with people. I mean, what are some thoughts? What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think if I just can be completely honest, I've seen the role as the pastor in the church of the Western Christianity as just the speaker. That's kind of what we've limited the pastor to in most churches is Mm -hmm. 
they're the ones that give the sermon on Sunday, yep. uh, but they're not in the office at all during the week, or they're not meeting with people. They're not doing any sort of thing other than just focusing on the, the sermon they're going to give that Sunday. And I get they can't meet with everyone. Like, that's impossible. I'm not yeah. trying to put that on a pastor because they have a family. They have yeah. things in their life. I get, like, anytime I've ever spoken, the amount of studying that goes into uh, you know, making your sermon and the time you're spending with the Lord. But I do feel like they've kind of cut that off where they won't even meet with people. And mm-hmm. I, I get, again, you can't meet with everyone, but I do think they need to have that aspect where they're pouring in um, to someone and to a group of people and to their congregation. Discipleship. Absolutely. You know, I think my thought goes back to a time when we were pastoring and, you know, you, God was doing a work in you, babe. And, you know, he was... <laughs> Still, Still is. is. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, the the Lord was really healing you on a deep level and yeah. things were coming to the light that you had struggled with for yeah. a long time. And as leaders, as the pastors, as the mother and father of yeah. the house, if you will... You know, we made a conscious decision to be super honest and open and vulnerable with our team, with our leadership. Mm -hmm. And there was several people that we were close to that were like, why are you doing that? Like, you're this is really (laughs) risky. Like, they could look at you different. They're not going to trust you because, you know, you you failed them. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there's just a lot of things that. I feel like limit people, limit leaders, limit pastors in that way that they don't want to get too vulnerable in that context, yeah. you know, and obviously there was a level, like we said, to the what we shared with our leaders yeah. versus what we shared at a service or whatnot. Yeah. But we did that because if we're really going to do this thing and walk with people, they have to know who we are and what yeah. we're going through. And you know what we found out? It gave them opportunity. Not only did they trust yeah. us more Permission. because we let yep. them in, it gave them opportunity to get real themselves. Yep. There were several people dealing with the same yep. exact thing that never w- confessed yep. about it. Yep. So then they they confessed and yep. got freedom, totally. number one. And number two, it caused them to mature through the process because yep. they are learning now how to father and mother. It's yep. not just us about leading them. Yep. They're getting to... We're inviting them in to speak back into our lives. Yep. And it was it was one of the most powerful lessons I feel like we ever learned as leaders, that it's not just a one-way thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just us giving, giving, giving. That our the people we're raising up and leading, they can bring us strength and power back and pour back into us mm-hmm. yeah. as leaders. I think the revelation for me, first of all, I want to say I'm thankful for godly men in my life, fathers and mentors who didn't make me have to give up everything and, and oh, put yeah. me in timeout oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 put me on the, you know on the island and 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 all that but walked with me because we do that and I, and I don't think that's always healthy I believe it's situational yeah but it's not always healthy but the other thing I would say is that we value walking in light with God but we don't value and walking in light with others yeah. and that's really what it comes down to like oh yeah I have to walk in light with God but we're afraid to create a culture where we all can walk in light together. Mm-hmm. And we're only going to do that if we're willing to be vulnerable and work through not our victories, through our pain together. Mm-hmm. It's not our victories that's going to connect us deeper. It's when we can work together through our pain together and not be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. 
stuff. Yeah, and I think it goes back to a conversation we had earlier is I don't think people like being in the mess. Mm. I think people don't like getting their hands dirty. And I think mm-hmm. it's in that place because it messes with their comfortability. It's not comfortable being Bro, in the why are you making me tooth hurt again, <laughs> bro? Come on. It's not comfortable to be in the mess with people and to get one's hands dirty and to like walk with them because it's not a perfect walk. We There's value comfort. We value comfort. And we don't like getting uncomfortable. We don't. So this means I got to get uncomfortable to get in someone else's mess. We like the comfortability with the idea of upgrades, but we don't like the... The uncomfortability of actually walking with someone. Give me a shoe. I'm about to throw it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. So, like, walking with people through their junk. That's really what it is. And, Jeremy, I know you're really good at this. You are up in Reading and uh, part of a revival culture. And revival gets messy. I mean, you talk about something messy. Revival gets messy. That's why many times people don't go after revival because they want a clean revival. Never heard of a clean revival. <laughs> There's nothing in history that says revival is clean. But you deal with these, uh, you know, these students who are going after revival, also at the same time discovering their identity. And there's a lot of mess. You know, what are some practical keys that you can give the listener and the leader who are listening to this episode on how we could actually walk with people through that yeah i think one of the things um, there's a word called attunement and uh, i'm not i'm not a licensed counselor anything like that but in in going to try to find a counseling for myself in the last few months because of of what i've been going through you find those people that are empathetic and those that are that are not Mm, the ones that are not that they lack attunement yep Uh, it's the inability to connect with someone on a deep level when they're going through something and i think part of i think the call of being a pastor and a and a shepherd is to have empathy, to have genuine care. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes the tendency, which I've said even myself, is that in church and in revival and ministry, nothing surprises me. Every once in a while, someone will do something like, really, you? But the action <laughs> itself is not is yeah. not surprising. And I think sometimes we can become a little jaded and even cynical when, yeah. when it comes to those kind of those kind of situations, but uh, I think having that ability to genuinely care for somebody is is the is the foundation is the bedrock. I, I don't think you can you wow. can't study your way or degree your way into something more than that. If you Come lack on. the general care for someone's well being, um, I had a student last week who I won't go into details of who it is, but their their mom is a nurse. So mm-hmm. in this COVID thing. Um, she's dealing with long hours. She's dealing wow. with the stress of seeing what someone infected with uh, COVID looks like and what's happening to people. And and my student was like, what do I do? I feel helpless in this moment. Or I shared an example, and I feel like it's helpful. Um, everyone's running a marathon. I feel like that's what we could use that about life. Well, at certain markers at a marathon, an actual marathon, there's people that are standing along the side of the road with a cup of water. And I told my student, I said, you can stand by the side of your road on your mom's marathon and hand her a cup of water. Wow. You can mm. you can share a kind word, you can offer prayer, you can practically, you know, because it's family, you can cook dinner, you could help around the house, you could listen. I think sometimes I think sometimes we don't value the small things and so we don't do the small things and that's what people are actually desperately needing. Yeah. It's not let me solve all your problems, but let me just give you an, a cup of water so that you can go to the next mile marker. And I think that's part of, of being a great pastor is not 
having to be the be all end all or solve mm-hmm. all your problems. That that's Jesus. I, Come on. As a pastor, I can never die on a cross for you again. Mm-hmm. And nor would I want to. And nor would you want me to? <laughs> wow. Because I'd yeah. be I'd be I wouldn't be the good but a good savior as our Lord and Savior. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think just having you know that genuine care and you know listening, like really mm-hmm. listening. People don't listen. People listen to respond. People listen because they've been working on a sermon and they want to use it on you. People, people listen oh because word. they just read a book and they want to quote something they read out of it. And Dang. and they try their really hardest because you see it on their face to try to they're trying to figure out how to connect it to what you're saying, <laughs> and they're not even listening. And so uh, I think there's some very basic human things that we all need. We need to be cared for. So care, be caring. People need to be listened to. So have your ears open. People need love, so open your heart to people. I think those kind of things, uh, more than anything, is what helps get somebody through a season. And even going through, even going through something difficult myself. Um, now, when someone sends me a generic text message telling me they're thinking about me, mm. uh, it hits differently. Mm. Wow! Because I think sometimes in your pain, in your struggle, in your feelings of hopelessness. Mm. As much as I would want all my circumstances to change, sometimes it's just that cup of water. It's that touch. It's that moment of connection. It's that I'm here for you. That really, really brings comfort. And uh, wow, yeah, wow. As you're talking about pain, we have our kids in the background screaming. Somebody's in pain. Oh. Real life right here. I thought that was my subconscious screaming. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it was the kids. (laughs) You know, one of the things I heard you say, it's so interesting because we come from a tribe and culture where we, um, one of our greatest strength is power. And then to hear your student that's in a culture that emphasizes power feel powerless. And that's scary. I mean, Mm. how how do you, I mean, to, to deal with a situation that you're not ready for, even though we emphasize power, which is not bad. I'm not saying it's a negative thing, but there's still a missing aspect that we're missing. And what if sometimes power, and I don't think we teach this to be honest. What if sometimes power looks like just being the cup of water, giving the cup of water. It's not prophesying. It's not an encouraging word. It's not signing one to miracle. What if power was actually us giving the cup of water. And uh, I mean, that's, 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 that's deep. But at the same time, I mean, I would just think as you're sharing that, I'm like, man, you're in revival culture, right? And feel powerless. That's deep. I mean, that hit me, that hit me hard. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think just personally, like I can't speak for any, any organization, even the one that I, I work with, which yeah. it's amazing. But I just think in general, sometimes that we, we don't really have a theology of pain or we don't really have a theology Ooh. of suffering. And hmm. uh, I think sometimes charismatics can um, hide their pain through all the manifestations and all the joy and all the laughter and all the, all those, it's, it just becomes another form of escapism. So whether you're eating a cheeseburger or laughing at altar, it's almost <laughs> seems like it's, you could, you could switch, switch it out. And I think that's why walking with people, I don't think Jesus was ever overwhelmed by human need, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, bro, I'm done. I'm about to <laughs> put this mic down and my ears walk away, bro, because that was just, wow. Yeah, and I think we're all trying to, all of us are always trying to work through pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, 
maybe sometimes speaking in tongues for 10 hours a day helps, but I think sometimes having an honest conversation or getting actual like professional help or, you know, there's some things that are just, you can't just run away from your pain. It doesn't go away. Mm. That's, that's what I'm learning. And if you don't deal with it, it'll eventually surface in a way you never wanted it to. And, and it'll affect the people that you never wanted it to affect. And, And that's one of the things I think I'm learning, not only through, my choices, but from the choices of others in this season, which is really sad and really heartbreaking. Um, but I, I think I think there's nothing wrong with at times feeling powerless because it just yeah. always makes you dependent on a savior. Like if you didn't need, if you never felt powerless, then what what would we need Jesus for? Mm-hmm. Wow, you know. And I think, like I said, I think we live in the tension of the supernatural and the incarnational. Mm-hmm. Yes, God shows up supernaturally and miraculously, extraordinarily. And sometimes he's in the little things like touching a leopard. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's that's so good. I, I I mean, I think I just come to realization as we're having this conversation is that in our theology, like you just said, is we've kind of gone the other side of the pendulum. Many times we grew up in a religious environment where pain was emphasized. And so you go to the other side of the pendulum now and you have, you know, those who've come out of that but now what has happened, we have a thought process, a theology that doesn't help people embrace pain. And they actually do everything to reject it. It's a theology to reject pain and not understanding that pain many times produces a process that is for maturity. Mm-hmm. And that's not a wrong thing, but I think where, I mean, we got to find this. I, and I hate this word balance. I really don't. I know I know it's not a bad word. I should <laughs> say hey, that's a strong but many times, you know, oh, we got to get balanced. We got to get balanced. I get what people are saying. But in this context, I think there is like the ability to know when to reject pain in certain contexts, but when we really need on a personal level to embrace it. Yeah. And I think sometimes I think we use balance because we're neglectful <laughs> and one area is just seriously overlooked. And so we're mm-hmm. trying to, we're acknowledging that, that glaring um, inadequacy or or hole or gap, and we're trying to just address it. And by using balance, it means we're coming back more towards that those things. So yeah, I don't even know for me for healing. Let's just take for instance when does when you alluded to that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time, I was going through an addiction, but it wasn't the addiction that was actually the problem. It was the root behind going to the deeper. Right. Because even after that that thing broke, I re aimed that addiction at video games. And there was a season where I was getting captured in video games. And what happened really was I was supposed to embrace my wife during that time to walk through a hard, difficult time to build intimacy and connection because God put her in my life to be able to go deeper where I was supposed to open up my heart and not be lonely and learn how to engage that. But because I didn't learn that part of it, and I don't want to blame my upbringing in church, but reality there is an aspect growing up in church. You don't see the deep connection between a pastor and his wife. Like they're so disconnected or they just put that facade on. There's no, even no physical touch, nothing going on. It's just odd. It's awkward. It's just an awkward relationship, you know, but it's holy. Holy looks like awkwardness. I mean, that's what it, it almost felt like, you know, super buddies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it just My was buddy. awkward. Yeah. And so you don't have that engagement. So here I am re-aiming an addiction just somewhere else. And that's that's the problem is that we, like you said, when you don't embrace pain and put it in its rightful spot, 
You yeah. know, you can go from pornography to hamburgers, cheeseburgers, uh, food addiction. And we don't even want to talk about that. That's, the, I mean, we're going to talk about the actual gluttony and food addictions <laughs> that happens in the church. I mean, that's a whole other episode, but it's real. Yeah. It's real. Comfort food. We get real comfortable. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think this is real. This is real. So. I love this, guys. This has been so much fun. This is fun. Hey, so. <laughs> <laughs> the rest were speaking tongues. Um, this conversation has been so much fun. Thank you guys so much so for ha- for coming on today. Is there any last words you want to leave the listener today? Yeah, I would challenge the listener to take inventory of their own life and see if they're if they're not walking with someone currently right now to begin to look around uh, at their friends, their family, those close to them, and begin to see beyond uh, maybe the front that they're putting up. And I would I would actually challenge you to be walking with someone in your life, whether it's uh, a family member or a friend, um, because it is a difficult time that we're in right now. There's many people that are going through things and Mm -hmm. we get caught up in the day to day that we begin to overlook um, these people around us that we can be that cup of water for. So I would challenge you to take inventory of your own life. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple of things. I think the prophetic movement has been so worried about prophesying the end date of the coronavirus that um, they have forgotten that sometimes being prophetic means just being timely. Wow. And I would encourage you to scroll through your phone tomorrow or today or right now and see who stands out to you and, and, and give a timely word of encouragement and hope or life to someone who needs it. Because like I said earlier in my life, that I'm, there's difficult things I'm going through. When someone reaches out and just says, I'm thinking of you, God's going to get you through this or, or whatever the feeling, you know, to say is, is really hit home. And, and it's really been yeah. something that I that I need. And so I, I think don't. I think in all of this, when someone's going through pain, don't underestimate the small things you can do yeah. to kind of alleviate or just temporarily bring some comfort to them and point them to Jesus, but then so also good. be Jesus. So point to yourself as you're walking with with those that are, are going through a, a tough season. And, you know, I, one just real very, very practical thing. Uh, don't You don't need to say, I wish you, I wish you could. I wish I could do more. Mm. I, I think mm. I think as someone who's going through something, I think we know that. Wow, and I think it's just uh, I'm here for you. Yeah. And if I can end with Proverbs seventeen seventeen, it says, "A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity." Wow. And uh, may you be brothers and sisters to people, yeah, in their season of adversity. Well, you guys, thank you so much. It's always an honor to do family on the show. Absolutely. And uh, I'm excited as we also have a, another project that we're working together, the Four Brothers, mm-hmm. that's going to be dropping here soon. It's a video podcast. That's all I will say. But the Four Brothers are getting back together. I'm Andre Three Thousand. <laughs> I'm Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> but be on the I'm lookout. We're, <laughs> <laughs> be on the lookout. We're going to be dropping that here soon uh, on a YouTube channel. Uh, thank you guys once again for being on the show today. Hey guys, remember, family is where life begins. Destiny is found. Identity is enhanced and love never ends. If this podcast has enriched your life, make sure to subscribe and would you share this podcast with a friend or family member as it helps us to extend our reach. Thank you for listening to the show today. Until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. And this is Desiree Gonzalez. We are out. Be blessed.
We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Matt and Des Experience. This podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.